Hey everybody, it's Christina Caramo and welcome to It's Solid Food. So it has been one week since the hostage takeover of a corrupt regime. <laughs> and I say that in such sincerity, even though I laugh. Um, one thing about me is that I oftentimes laugh. It's like a defense mechanism. Like really, Even when I'm like really irritated, I laugh. So you just really don't know where I'm coming from. Because this isn't funny at all. But for some reason, I just laugh. Because it's it's ridiculous. It's just so ridiculous. And what's even more ridiculous is that there are millions of Americans just going along with it like nothing's going on. But what I'm going to cover in this episode is one that, as believers, we don't put our hope and trust in politics. God is not surprised at what's going on. And we are to put our hope and trust in him and not who's in office. Also, we need to engage in proper discipleship because how do we have so many people going along with this? That's a big problem because if millions of people didn't go along with this, these folks wouldn't get away with the wickedness that they're doing. And so that's what we're going to talk about. I'm Christina Caramo and welcome to It's Solid Food. Solid Food, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So as I was saying in the opening, this has been week one of the hostage takeover. <laughs> That's a funny thing to call it, right? Because I'm not going to go and rehearse the election. I've said what I've said. Um, and of course, you know, YouTube will pull down videos where you question election integrity, question the election results. And, and that's kind of where I get into the, the point of, I blame the American people for a lot of the things we're seeing because you have to be stupid to think that the people who have been the gatekeepers, who are the current gatekeepers in our society for information sharing are saying, we're not going to share information that we don't like we don't agree with and we're supposed to be one of the bedrocks of our American Republic is that the free flow of information because that's what helps us maintain a free society and that's what help people stay informed now no matter what the issue is you're always going to have different opinions and for these people to say oh well unless you come to our conclusion you can't speak in the public square I mean we see what's happening to Mike Lindell um, from my pillow, all these companies are gonna drop his pillow because he questioned election results. We didn't see that same energy when in 2016 you had all these people running around saying Donald Trump was an illegitimate president and a Russian plant. You didn't see the same response of, oh well, you know, you're being un-American for questioning election results. I mean, what is wrong with these people? None of that happened then. We just saw it as sour grapes. But then when we say, hey, there's some issues that need to be looked into, oh, you don't belong in polite society if you question these election results. Folks, that's like massive brainwashing and propaganda. That doesn't even add up. People question everything. That's that's the that's the nature of our society, the inquiry. That's what helps us be a free society, is the fact that we have the freedom to inquire and ask questions. And many people are so brainwashed by our media, it is gross. Like it is completely gross. Um, how many adults just go along with things without asking questions, without thinking any further. It's just, this is the official narrative and this is what I must follow. This is where it gets into proper, proper discipleship. But let me set that aside. We see already Joe Biden has killed thousands of American jobs. Already, dude had been in office in a week and has literally killed thousands of jobs instantly. The stroke of his pen. 
Then we see he's put men in women's sports. And you have people acting like it's not a big deal. We saw what happened in Connecticut. We saw what happened at Franklin Pierce University. You had this guy who was running as a male and was like number 300 in the nation. Then suddenly he decides he's a woman and now he's number one in the nation. I mean, and nobody questions like, mm, maybe because he's a biological male. If you put your average college athlete, male college athlete, freshman, against one of your top WNBA players, Yes, she would be, she might be able, she has better skill as far as knowledge of the game, maybe some maneuvers and things. But when it comes to like the sheer brute force, he's going to out jump her, outrun her. I mean, these are just the realities. I feel one of the problems is we've spent so much energy with the feminist movement feeling like that answers to our problems was trying to be like men instead of embracing who God made us as women and then as a group deal with a lot of the issues. I've talked about it on my episode before. The feminist movement didn't just come out of nowhere. This is like these were just a bunch of frustrated and horny women who decided we're going to rebel. Like, no, women were experiencing a lot of abuse and mistreatment at the hands of their husbands and were being told to shut up and deal with it. And that's what... what um what prompted and that's not all but that's a lot of the reason why the feminist movement came about but instead of having a kingdom response they took a worldly response now part of that is because the church wouldn't get involved in this and so when you have men's and women who are being mistreated at home and being told to shut up and do what i tell you i can screw the neighbors i can gamble the money i can do whatever i want you have no rights. You have no voice. I control you. You're my property. When that was a, a very common thing a lot of women dealt with, where was the church speaking up for women? They didn't. So the world stepped in and spoke up, and then it was the ungodly response. And part of that ungodly response was trying to be like men. Trying to be like men. We can be like men. And part of that is a top part of that ideology, that mindset, is what's fueling the transgender mania. I mean, we have people acting though it's completely normal to put biological males in female prisons. Now, many of these men, these, these men, they're, these are criminals. So these are people who have no problem bending the rules of society to, 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 to their fancy. And some of this is going to necessarily include men who are sex criminals. So if you got a guy who's in jail for rape, all he has to do is say, I'm a woman. And you will put him in a women's prison and nobody sees anything wrong with that how that could potentially put many of those women in prison at risk. This is, this is ridiculous. You know, and I understand, and I was watching this documentary and I try my best to expose myself um, to people who think differently from me, because that's really important. You don't want to just listen to your own voice. So I was watching a documentary once um, with this individual named Miss Major was a transgender activist. And he really worked to help um, transgender because this, per this person's man was a transgender himself. And so, you know, listening to these people's stories, it really brought you to tears because these are people who sincerely struggle with gender dysmorphia or whatever you call it. And these were individuals who sincerely presented themselves, these men who sincerely presented themselves as women. And so well, what happened is when they would go to jail, they would experience a lot of sexual abuse and sexual assault. And so the thing about it is there's one, there's multiple for one, you know, they're doing something that God doesn't want them to do. You know, they're behaving in a rebellious manner and they're, and, and they're dealing with this conundrum, these, these emotions in a way that is ungodly. All of us struggle with something and this happens to be something that people struggle with and we must show them love and compassion. 
But the answer is not putting biological men in women's prisons. Because even though these individuals may sincerely seek not to harm people and just don't want to be sexually abused, because as we know in men's prisons, it's very common for more effeminate men to be victims of sexual assault. We know that. That's something very, we know that very well, that there's men who get raped. I remember once a guy, I know I was reading his memoir um, about how when he was in prison, you know, he had a couple of stories of one, like a man um, had, I don't know if the man had successfully committed suicide, but he, he saw the guy had attempted suicide. That was the last he know. He didn't know whether or not the man was actually successful in his suicide attempt because, and to my not, this man was not like dressing in a transgender manner, nor was this man like effeminate, but for whatever reason, some guys had just decided that they wanted to rape him and the guy tried to kill himself because he, he, they kept trying to rape him. Um, I remember another story he shared in his, um, in his memoir that he was like, I guess in what they call like a holding pen or whatever, where people who are um, waiting to go into to prison, um, what not going to prison, but waiting to see the judge. And one of the guys in there just grabbed a man and just started raping him in front of everybody, you know, in front of the guards, everyone. This is just in his book. It's, it's a true story. And he's like, everyone was just stunned. Like, oh my God. So we know those things happen. We know that those, there's individuals who are afraid for their safety because of the way they present themselves. Well, for one, I don't feel like it should be allowed to present themselves that way you're in prison, you know, but for whatever the case may be there, that's a separate conversation. Um, but you, what you should do, the solution to be to, well, I hate to use the word warehouse. We're talking about human beings made in the likeness and image of God. So I don't like to use the term warehouse, but they should be housed separately. Just have them in a separate unit to themselves, you know, because you're going to have to make a decision because you can't put women in danger. You can't. And I don't want to see these individuals, no matter how they present themselves, no matter how they, what they do, I don't want to see them getting raped. That's horrible, you know? So there has to be a solution that doesn't involve putting women at risk. And that's precisely the issue because the solution is putting women in danger. Or even when you think of athletics, to me, this is completely absurd. You could, because this is even worse because we're talking about competition and where the competition is, um, Largely, who wins is contingent upon your level of physical um, dominance. And men are significantly more physically dominant than women. I'm six feet tall. You take a guy who's five, five, he could probably beat me up because it doesn't matter about size. Men are bigger lungs, bigger hearts. And the reason why that's significant because they, they have more hemoglobin in their blood. So they get their blood pumps through their body faster. They have more hemoglobin, so they have more oxygen in their blood. Because part of the thing of being physically fit is you can get a lot more oxygen in your body to give you more energy so you can have more endurance and be faster. Well, with men have, having bigger hearts, bigger lungs, they're able to pump their blood faster. They're able to get more oxygen in their blood. And them having more hemoglobin means they can hold more oxygen in their blood. So they have so many significant advantages. Men's bodies are built for combat. Our bodies are not built for combat, right? If you look at the agrarian society, that really kind of shows you the human structure in, 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 its, in, its, in its vulnerableness. That women tend to be more nurturers because we bear children. We nurture children from our breasts. We care for the family. We nurture our husbands. We nurture our families. That's our role. And men are protectors and providers. So when you take that understanding, that's See, the, the transgender mania of people, they want to say that gender is a social construct. No, gender, the social construct, the social construct of gender is rooted in biology. 
So we have developed social constructs around gender and sexuality based on biology. But they want to toss out biology because they want to create society in their image. They want to make men in their image. Where humans are these malleable things that you can socially engineer because that's one of the things about... I, I hate to use the word liberals because these people aren't even classical liberals in the sense that you think because they're they're very tyrannical because they want to compel the rest of society to participate in their delusions of grandeur. Um, so they're not really liberal. I don't these are I don't know cultural Marxists. They're just crazy. Okay, period, point blank. Um, but they want to compel the rest of society to participate in their nonsense, and and that's 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 the problem. And now you know good and well for thousands of years. Look, the Amazon warriors. Okay, we don't even know if they existed or not, number one, from my understanding. But even if they did, I know they're female warriors and all this stuff. But that's very rare. For, for obvious reasons, right? For obvious reasons, it's rare that you have female warriors. Because typically, men, there, there are some strong women. When I was in college and I played basketball, and it was a girl on my team. She was so strong, okay? She could bench press. Like, she literally would grab the barbell and just like, uh, uh, just like, no tomorrow. Just like, like it was a joke to her. There are women out there like that, you know, but most aren't. When I play sports, I play, because I play basketball and I play volleyball and I high jump. So I'm, I'm always, and even to this day, I still like sports. Like, now I have to find new things because a couple of years ago, I got my nose fractured playing basketball. I still like playing basketball. But right now, at this point in my life, like I'm not, I I don't have time to get a fractured nose. I don't, I can't get a, a blowout of me. Like it's just it's con contact sports is not something I can do at this moment in my life. Eventually, I, I love contact sports, but right now I, I could do other other sports. Right? Why am I telling you this? Um, when I played basketball with men, I had to outsmart them. I could not try to outmuscle them. That's how I wanted to get my nose fractured because one of my hallmarks when playing with men is I use a lot of pump fakes because I have to do a lot of faking. Because I had to outsmart them. I had to beat them. That way, I couldn't outrun them. I couldn't outmuscle them. I had to outsmart them. That was the goal. So I went up for a pump fake. I, I got pretty good at it too, right? So I went up for my pump fake. He launches in the air. And then as he's launching in the air, he's doing his arms like this. And he, for the people who watch it, can see how my arms are going. The rest of you are just getting like sound effects, okay? Um, but he does his arms like this. And he hits me in the nose, right? His arm was like, bam, because I went up for the pump fake. I did like this. And then as I'm going around, I'm dribbling around to beat him. Because the goal, you know, while he's in midair, I go around and do a quick little jumper. I had a, I had a nice little left shot, okay? Um, and he hit my nose. Psh, blood everywhere, okay? This was a few years ago. So I said to myself, like, well, this is like 2017, so I'm like, well, actually, so this is like four years ago. And I'm like, guess I can't be doing that anymore. My nose to this day is still sensitive. I got like a bone like this flicked up in my nose. So since my nose um didn't go sideways and it's like a bone, it kind of like sticks up like that a little bit. The doctor said it is going to leave well enough alone. And it's, it, you can't really see anything. Now, why am I saying this? Because I was playing against men and I got seriously hurt. Okay, <laughs> I've been playing ball against men for a long time. I've only stopped like four years ago. So through middle school, high school, through my 20s, I played ball with men. And I understand that playing against men is a whole nother animal. 
So it, you, they outjump me. I mean, playing twenty one with a group of men, they grab a re, they grab a rebound over me like it's like it's snatching from a child. They can outrun me. They can outmuscle me. The only advantage that a woman can get in playing sports against men is to hopefully outsmart them. But when you're doing something like track and field, where you're just straight up running, you don't have no. I mean, why am I even explaining this to people? This is stupid. Like the fact that I'm even having this conversation is dumb. It's dumb. It's like having a conversation as to why you don't shoot little kids or why you don't get abortions. All right, we have a society that embraces abortion. So no wonder I have to have such stupid conversations, right? Because I still have to convince people that killing babies is wrong. <sighs> I mean, this is unbelievable. But this is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with. So, you know, I went off more than I really kind of care really cared to on the topic, but it's just important that people that, that people fight back, that we push back. And, and you know, we see the things now with John Kerry coming out saying, oh, the people who lost their job at Keystone, they can do this. I mean, anybody who knows, finding a job in this day and age is not necessarily an easy task. That's why a lot of people are opting for entrepreneurship because many jobs, unless you know somebody, you can forget about it. And that made it even worse with looking for jobs online. Makes it even harder. And then two, what makes you think that these new companies that you guys are going to give all these billions of dollars to for your green energy are going to hire these guys? I mean, it's just a bunch of nonsense, just a bunch of nonsense that they are simply not considering by any stretch of the, imag stretch of the imagination whatsoever. And you don't kill the energy business. And from, um, like, Canada is angry about this. Um, I've read a letter. I haven't been able to verify the authenticity of it. But I guarantee you the Indian reservations where that pipe is going through, um, I'm sure they're getting money from it. From what I understand, um, that particular tribe sent a letter to the Biden administration like, we need the money from that pipeline. That We, we need that money. I guarantee you they're not. Uh, they're just rumshotting these people. And a lot of folks are saying, oh, that's sacred land. What's more important, land or people? You know, all of us say this, but you will hop in your car. You will use lotion that contains mineral oil for those little ashy knees of yours. You know? All kinds of things. You you benefit from the petrol economy. So don't turn around and cheer on the killing of Keystone when you benefit from the petrol economy. I don't want to hear it. But the problem is, is that many people do not think for themselves. They do not think for themselves. They have been brainwashed. And this goes back to when I say about proper discipleship. So let me let me bifurcate this topic in proper discipleship. One is, which is most important, which is training up people in the knowledge of God. But then the other component of that, which really flows out of one truly being a follower of Christ and truly denying their own ego, truly denying their own idols, what flows out of that is the second step of this, which is being able to properly assess the matters of this world, even if they are secular which like the keystone pipeline that's that's a secular topic you know if you're a christian and you think it's a terrible idea we need to go totally green you can be an orthodox christian and believe in a uh socialist model economy you can i mean some people say no you can't i'm not talking about a communist i'm not talking about a marxist i'm talking about someone who believes in economic socialism they technically because they, there are orthodox christians who believe that we should have more a more shared shared model economy and that sounds nice because I'm, and the reason I'm saying it like that, because that's the way they see it. One of the things we have to do, no matter how much we vehemently 
disagree with someone, we must properly represent their statements from their perspective. That way we can accurately, one, debunk them, and number two, deal with them. You know, you can't accurately deal with a false assumption or a false belief system if you don't accurately represent it. And then, by, and then also you're engaging in dishonesty when you don't accurately represent a person's belief system as they actually believe it. So um, the thing about it is, the first step, like I said, is, is proper discipleship in the knowledge of God. Our education system whew, has been designed to turn children against the knowledge of God. The reason why our society is in the mess that it's in is because the hearts of the people are a mess. 230 million people claim to be Christian in America of the, of the approximately 350 million people. And it's interesting, yesterday I gave a speech at our state capitol, which I will post it online on um, my Facebook page and on YouTube, where I gave a speech on our uh, nation, in our nation, our state capitol, regarding uh, Roe v. Wade, um, because it was an anniversary, like a memorial regarding Roe v. Wade, where um, since 1973, well over 60 million children have been killed um, over the past um, 48 years. But um, nevertheless, um, nevertheless, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so one of the things that I was talking about was, uh, you know, proper discipleship. And the reason why we have so many people, how do you have a country of 230 million people and yet legalize abortion and all this transgender foolishness and, sex, and celebration of sexual rebellion? Like, how, how do you have this? Well, because enough people have not been discipled to follow God. Um, our society, you know, we, we think that we've become grandfathered into the Christian faith. You don't get grandfathered into the Christian faith. You have to make a personal decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And in our society, everybody loves the Savior part. They love the Savior part. That Oh, the Savior line? Oh, that's fantastic. But when it comes to the Lord part, that's when get, things get a little dicey. Because that means that I have to deny myself to follow God. And so let me, and some a little bit of transparency about myself. You know, about 2016, I want to say 2016, yeah, 2015, about 2016, might have been 2015, something, it was earlier, about five, six years ago, God put it on my heart that he wanted me to go and be an ambassador for him in the public square. Now, at that time, I wasn't quite sure, you know, all of us have to be ambassadors for Christ in, every, in our everyday life, every last one of us, but I'm saying God wanted me to do it in a very public manner. And I wasn't quite sure what God wanted me to do. I didn't know, you know, until later as God began to reveal things like he wanted me to go into apologetics and go here and there. And I've been very involved in politics and I have some lots of things that I'm working on, you know, and it was that wasn't revealed to me until later. But still, he wanted me to be an ambassador for him in the public square. And when God first put it on my heart, my first response was, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to stop doing the things that I was doing that were offensive to God. You know, and I tell people this all the time. The life of a Christian is not one of perfection, but one of repentance. One of repentance. I was not a Mother Teresa. I was not a nun. I was out there partying, clowning like a lot of people. And it was a process for me to really let go of a lot of really worldly things that I was doing. And it's almost like I had to, it was, it's a process if you don't instantly just 
okay, all the things that I like to do are done. It's over with. Ah, okay, following Jesus 100%, flawless, don't miss a step. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. It was like a stumbling process. Like, oh, like that. I can't watch that show. I can't go here. You know, I remember once and I went, I went out somewhere with the friends. And after I came back, the Holy Spirit was like, are you serious? Are you serious? So you you really you really thought that was okay? What if your pastor was there? And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, Jesus. I had to repent. And I remember the next time I saw my friend, I was like, yo, you know, I had fun. But that was wrong. And I really have to check my heart because that wasn't something God wanted me to do. And, and that was immoral for me being there or just hanging out in that type of environment. And she's like, well, we're just having a good time. I'm like, yeah, but that's that's not okay. You know, and so I really, really had to to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and say, you know what? I have to turn my heart closer to God and, and further away from the things that are offensive to him. But that comes from discipleship. That comes from me feasting on the word of God. That comes from regular prayer and walking in a prayerful attitude throughout the day. Most people don't understand that. Most people think that being a Christian simply means like, oh, I follow Jesus. Yeah, I believe in him. He's Savior. He's my Lord. But they don't even understand what that means when Jesus is your Lord. They see God as a fireproof blanket. And I, and I turned to Romans 6 so much. And in my speech yesterday, like I said, I'm going to upload it um, that you'll hear. And I talked about it where, you know, in Romans, at the end of Romans 5, you know, Paul writes that, you know, it's, we rejoice in the grace of God. We're thankful that we're remain right standing. We have been reconciled to God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the from the Jesus Christ dying for our sin. Um so he he took on the wrath of God for us and we are beyond grateful. And then in Romans 6, Paul goes, he, he didn't say all those exact words, but I'm just kind of summarizing what's going what he's talking about there. But then in verse in chapter 6, we hear Paul saying that now do we keep on sinning so God's grace may abound? No, we don't. You know, when we give our lives to Christ and we profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then that means that we have to behave differently. We cannot sin. That doesn't mean that you're not going to fall short. That doesn't mean that you're going to have temptations. You're not going to have struggles. I mean, it's not like because you're a Christian, you instantly like, I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to do anything bad. It doesn't work like that. But the more time you spend with God, the more that you pray, the more that you study the Bible, the more that you surround yourself with people who are sold out for Christ, the easier it becomes and the more that you actually don't want to engage in certain activities. You don't want to go certain places, but it takes time. It takes discipleship. But we are surrounded by a culture where they see God as this genie in a fireproof blanket. Like literally God has two purposes. One, his whole goal is to make me happy, to make sure that I'm healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's his number one job. Number two is to give me this nice little fireproof blanket. The way I don't have to go to hell and I can just go up, not down. I mean, this is not the gospel. This is not it, okay? Of course, one of the beauties of following Jesus Christ is we can have eternal life. Absolutely. Number two, of course, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you petition God. And many times, not every time, many times he answers your prayers. Sometimes you could be asking God for something or praying or believing for him believing that God will come through in a particular area of your life. And maybe that isn't the plan that God's had for you. And it may not be necessarily something that's sinful or wrong that you're wanting, but it's just not what God wants for you. So there, 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 yeah, that's part of it, but that is not the primary reason why we should be following God. And then two, it's like you are making yourself the God where God's job is to serve you when our job is to serve him. And so because people haven't been 
properly discipled in our culture, in our society, we have so many people who go out and live completely worldly. They live completely worldly. They do not follow God in any stretch of the imagination and don't care to either. They simply see God's grace as an open door for licentiousness. That's what they see because they haven't been properly discipled. Why aren't there more Christians who make wonderful music? There are some. Why aren't there more Christians in the arts and entertainment? That's a problem. Instead of us making music exclusively for Christians or movies exclusively for Christians, why aren't there just excellent, well-made movies done by Christians that go into the masses? You can make movies to glorify God. You can make art to glorify God. You can make fashion to glorify God. We don't have enough Christians who are movers and shakers in the culture because people are being discipled by an antichrist culture. So just even like fashion for a perfect example. You know, women now, it's like the more naked I am, the more desirable I am. And it's actually celebrated the more comfortable I feel at exposing myself. Now, if I'm at the beach, yeah, I'm wearing a swimsuit, okay? I'm, I'm going to wear my swimsuit and I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to enjoy myself. It's hot. I'm on the beach. I'm going to wear shorts. It's hot. But what you don't walk around like you're on the beach 24-7. You dress differently when you're on the beach because you're on the beach. It's just a different environment and you're, you're engaging in swimming. So you want to wear your swimsuit or whatever, your two-piece, that's fine. I don't see anything wrong with that. But if it is, there's a level to it. Some people, you know, they take it a little too far. It looks like they got on napkins. Okay, I'm not saying that, but you, you understand what I'm trying to say. But even the clothing is the more exposed I am, the more celebration, the more powerful pomp and circumstance, and the more control I am. It's the rebellion against God is celebrated in the culture. You know what I mean? Um, you think of like even the, the, the rainbow. Every June, they have these parades where they celebrate um, the LGBT lifestyle. I mean, think about it. That rainbow is a covenant that God has made between, is a symbol for the covenant that God has made between not just humans, but even the animals. Read your Bible, read Genesis. You know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to grab my phone, pull up my Bible and tell you exactly what it is, why. Because I have, I have several Bibles and I have Bibles on my phone, my tablet. I just make sure because I can always have one handy. I want to say Genesis 9. Let's see. It says maybe Genesis 9. Uh, yes. Genesis 9. Genesis, read Genesis 9. And you can see there that God not only establishes a covenant with humans, with animals as well. And the rainbow is a symbol of that covenant that God has made between himself and every living thing on the planet. That he would never flood it again for our rebellion. And then you turn around, people are taking that symbol of God's covenant with mankind and the animals and turn it to a symbol of rebellion. And like nobody sees like a massive problem with that when we have 230 million people professing to be Christian. Seriously, some discipleship has not occurred. It, it couldn't have. It can't. It's impossible. That is blasphemy on a level that is unconscionable. That is next level blasphemy. But this is what has occurred in our culture. And the music and the entertainment, I mean, it's horrible. 
It's horrible. You know, I was talking to a friend yesterday. And I was like, and I was in college. We used to listen to 3-6 Mafia. Not even thinking of why these guys called themselves triple six. We didn't even think about like, oh, it's three six mafia block. Because I used to, you know, listen to a lot of really crazy music. And then a lot of it, the lyrics were so horrible. Horrible. Very violent. Sexual violence. I mean, it was awful. We didn't think nothing of it. We just listened to the beat like, yeah, just having a good time. And then after that, I started thinking like, you know, as I started growing closer with God, I'm like, why am I listening to this? Like, this is horrible. Like, why am I listening to this? It's almost like when you are sold out for Satan. And at the time of my life, I really was. When you and I thought I was a Christian too. When you are sold out for Satan, it's like a blind blinder is on your mind. You can't see it. It's just like the most obvious thing. Like, how obvious was it that a lot of these groups are completely satanic? You know, there's different levels of satanic. When I when I say that, there's some people who don't really see it or not really professing satanic things. But then there's next level where people are actively professing Satanism, you know, and then it's like, I'm listening to these satanic rappers and I didn't think anything of it. I'm not talking about rappers who say curse words or maybe say some sexually inappropriate things every 10 lines. So we're talking about these people were openly satanic. Didn't all listen to satanic rap because it was a blind on my mind because I was so consumer following satan and followers where i see myself as following satan but that's what i was doing so you take many young people and i'm not alone in this right you all in your teenage years you're all in your 20s and you're doing this and these same young people who have been discipled by a satanic culture who've been discipled by secular schools who are designed to turn them against the knowledge of god and now these people go out to the world and they build your companies they run for public office they have children that's why you have running around my three-year-old is transgender that happens from years of failed discipleship you know and 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 there's so much in our culture that that's why we're where we are that's why we're where we are we had a i'm reading an article or heard about in california where their insurance like i guess they're they're basically their mass insurance lobbying or group or whomever they are now supporting Double mastectomies for minor girls who want to be transgender. So that means a little 13-year-old girl can go get her breasts removed in the insurance companies with pay for it in California. How does that happen? How does that happen? Because the people are wicked. Period. End of story. There's no way there's 230 million Christians in America. That is ridiculous. That is not true. Because Christians don't stand for that. There's no way a person who sincerely, I'm not saying that people who voted for Joe Biden are not Christian. I am not saying that. I would never say that. Okay? But you have some severe blindness to not see to something that's massively wrong going on with people who are pushing this. But part of it is because so many of us have been discipled into secularism. That's what's going on. So many of us have been discipled into secularism. I remember my daughter came home from school one day and told me at school they learned about overpopulation. Our kids have been taught evolution. 
that's directly being discipled against the knowledge of God when most young people are posed. And this is why I made an episode a few months ago, not a few months ago, yeah, maybe a few months ago, about why Genesis 1 through 11 is so important. And a lot of young people are, we tell, we send our kids to school and we tell them to listen to your teachers. We tell them to listen to the people in authority. So they listen to the teachers, they listen, listen to the people in the news. So we've been conditioned to trust the people on the news, to trust our teachers, to trust professors, to trust researchers indiscriminately, irrespective of what these people are actually saying. We just trust them. You trust them and do what they say. <laughs> it's crazy, right? So then as we become adults, and these people are corrupt as all outdoors, they are unable to distinguish that they should not be trusting these people. We trust institution heads. That is faulty. You trust God, and then when people speak, you are to distinguish, you are to decipher, you are to, the word is, is you're suppo supposed to have discernment regarding whether or not it's true or not you don't just like our trust for dr fauci why do you trust him because he's all on tv and you told to trust him that's not a sufficient reason to trust somebody i don't trust people because i've been told to i trust people because they've given me a reason to based on their behavior based on their behavior and like even with the mask thing dr fauci claimed because remember initially he was saying it was ridiculous and we didn't need to wear masks and then he goes on later to say the reason why he said that was because he didn't want people buying up all the masks. So why do you trust him now? Because CNN told you to? And and I commented on Facebook about the whole things with the uh, Wall Street uh, Wall Street bets. Uh, so basically, long story short, um, and these guys or these I don't say guys, people had um, decided to pull their money together to. Um, support certain stocks of companies they like, which sent the shares up like three, four hundred dollars in one day. And some other larger companies, larger, large hedge funds have bet against the company. And so now with the stock soaring, these people are losing billions of dollars. And so now a lot of platforms are no longer trading platforms are allowing the trades of these companies buying their, their shares, which should be illegal. You know, so when these large hedge funds want to manipulate the market, it's okay. But when everyday people band together to manipulate the market, it's a problem. No, either you can or can't manipulate the market. It doesn't work that way. And so then the server that they were using to discuss, the server that this, this website they were using to basically share information and pull their information together, the server kicked off their site claiming that they were engaging in hate speech. Now, a lot of the same people I know who were sitting there cheering on conservatives getting banned are now, Holy Spirit just caught my tongue. Say, I'm growing, I'm growing, right? Are not complaining. You know what word I want to say, right? They are complaining about how the elites or whatever, or these Wall Street hedge fund managers are trying to are trying to basically undercut these people. It's it's a competition. And so now they're complaining about like discord, kicking these people off and what have you. And I'm like, wait a minute, weren't you like a week ago cheering off a service being kicked off saying we were evil, hateful people? Oh, you like the official narrative then. But when the official narrative goes against what you want to do, now you want to sit here and complain. Shut your mouth. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. We told you, you fools, 
And I say that dogmatically. I say the word fools dogmatically. We told people that censorship is going to, you don't ever support censorship. Even what you do is you castigate bad ideas. You challenge bad ideas with good ideas. You don't silence them. Because all you do is, you one, you make them into heroes. Number one, if you don't, if you really think they're that terrible. Number two, number two, is because now you only have a small group of people controlling what we can and can't hear and what information can be exchanged. That is dangerous. Like someone, I mean, people say this the dumbest things. Well, fine, go, go start your own website. Okay, yeah, but then what happens when the servers that I use to start my website kick me off? Well, build your own servers. Okay, then what happens if T-Mobile decides to cancel my phone because they don't like my opinion? Then build your own cell phone top. I mean, just shut up. Just shut up. You sound stupid. Like, people are just never ending in their nonsense because they just, this goes back to what I'm saying, the discipleship. CNN told me, MSNBC said, the Washington Post, the New York Times said, and they're reputable. Why do you think they're reputable? Why do you think they're reputable? And what reason? Why? Why do you think they're reputable? How are corrupt politicians able to get away with their nonsense? Shouldn't our news media be calling them out? Hold us right because they're in the bed with them. They're all in bed together. That's why. And people just go, because they haven't been taught how to think. They've been taught to follow. Follow. Follow institutions. Follow figureheads. No. No, we don't follow institutions. We don't follow figureheads. We follow Christ. There are people I listen to. There are ministers I like. There are politicians I like. But at the end of the day, they are human beings. They are flawed humans. You don't follow anybody like that. You take the good. You kick out the bad. And when the, the good is more than the bad, then I like, I support the person. That's what we got to understand. But many people have not been properly discipled to discern the world around them. Now this whole brainwashing and the, and the word justice has been per perverted because now first it was global cooling, then global warming, then climate change, now it's environmental justice. And that's unfortunate because justice is something, is one of God's attributes. Justice is something that comes from God and justice has been promoted and distorted to support techno technocracy and Marxism. Technocracies and Marxism are really one and the same. One is just ran by, it's just the people who are in power, how you decide who's in power is just a little bit different. But the end goal is the same, which is complete authority and control over every aspect of your life. And people are cheering it on because the news media has convinced them to support these technocrats. And nobody's going to ask questions. They're just going to go, oh, I shouldn't say nobody because I'm asking questions. There's plenty of people like me. I'm not, it's not like I'm doing something so unique. Like I'm the only one saying this stuff. No, there's millions of people saying what I'm saying. That's why it's so important that there are millions of us speaking up. Because it's, it's about the decentralization of power. Things that are decentralized are always better. Just for example, like you never said, they said one rotten fruit, one rotten apple is spoiled a whole bunch. Like we know that we're fruit. Like if you get, a, anybody ever got like a sack of potatoes, right? You have one rotten potato and it'll, Cause other ones to be rotten, so you want to throw that one out. One of the best ways to define the rotten potato is to spread all the potatoes out. So if you just like spread all of them out on the counter, you can find the rotten potato. And then even say, for example, if I have a bunch of potatoes spread out, none of them are touching each other on the counter, and that rotten potato still stays there, the other ones will be okay because the rotten they're all spread out. What causes 
the rock potato to spoil the other ones is when it's all bunched in in a bag together and they're all centralized. And so we want to decentralize power. We want to decentralize our monetary system. We want to decentralize the flow of information. If the people, not this Marxist bullcrap, I'm talking about actually the people, the real people, the American people want their power back, everything must be decentralized. Power must be decentralized. Information must be decentralized. Our monetary system must be decentralized. If you decentralize things, that is when you truly have a free and fair society. And that's what many people I know are advocating for. But the people on the left, the only freedom they like is sexual freedom. They like sexual freedom and then they appeal to people's grievances to get power. That's all. And so the Democratic Party has been totally corrupted. And it's going to segue into my last point. The Democratic Party has been totally corrupted by these globalists. And when people need to understand about globalism, we have this image in our mind. I saw a meme online. It was so funny. They said our the 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 image of globalism that globalism that showed to us are like these people of different ethnicity ethnicities all together, like holding hands from different countries, and we're all friends. Yeah, that's great. That's God's image of a globalized world. Is everybody working together for His purposes? That yeah, that that's that's great. And even if you have people of different uh, faiths and different uh, religious beliefs of being friends and working together for shared and mutual respect, that's fantastic. But the actual globalism that's being conducted in our society is a small group of people sitting around a table. And that was the image. It was like these, all these kids from different parts of the world around the globe holding hands. But then the real reality of globalization is a few people sitting around a wood table making decisions for the rest of the world. That's actually what the globalization is happening. And that's the problem. We are, because I remember it was one teacher I, I was talking to, and she was just kind of against the idea of nations. And she was just like, yeah, but why should we have this? Why can't we just all work together? I'm like, everybody has a different agenda. Unless we all unite under the knowledge of God, um, and it's not going to be all this unity we want, because everyone's going to have something different. The only true unity that ever exists is unity under Christ Jesus. That's the only true one world government where Jesus Christ is reigning as king, king alone. And we all acknowledge his kingship. That is the only true globalization that will ever be peaceful. But anything man attempted will always be problematic because of the sinfulness of man. That's why you need decentralization. That way the rottenness will be exposed. But if it's all lumped together, then the rotten will just infect the rest. And people don't get that because they still follow the corporate media. So with that being said, the last component is that we never allow our faith to be tied up in politics. Um, as much and as passionate as I am about politics, I am super passionate about politics. Oh, my God, super passionate, right? But you never allow, you know, it's so funny. I didn't think, I will say this, I didn't think things were going to turn out the way it was. But for some reason, my peace has never been shaken through this entire thing. If anybody's been following me long enough, know I testified before our Michigan State Senate, and I did some media rounds regarding what I saw in the election. And after all that, just speaking out, after all that, my peace has never been shaken. Why? Because, and I thought, maybe it's because everything's going to work out, but in reality, it's not. And my, my peace is, is rested on God. Because ultimately, we know how this story is going to end. 
And the Bible predicts how what we're going to go through. And the Bible, I've, I've been hearing about a push for global government for since the 90s. And I've been following politics since I was about six or seven years old. That's the truth. You know, I've been following, following politics for a long time. And I've been hearing about the push for global government since I was maybe like 12 years old. So I've been seeing the writing on the wall all this time. So it's like we knew this day was going to come. You just didn't, of course, we're still going to push back. We're still going to try to warn people. But eventually the world's going to cave. And, you know, you don't put your hope and trust in politicians because that means you made an idol of them. And that, and this is really for a lot of my conservative friends. You know, this kind of ties into the um, last point I was making. Is that many of us are turning to the government to do things that only discipleship will accomplish. You know, when we think of a lot of the, the rulings that is going to come out of the Biden regime, um, if there were more people who were discipled in the knowledge of God, this kind of stuff would not happen. So we can't expect the government to stop a lot of these things, even though they should, but much of that has to come from proper discipleship because people won't clamor for these things in the first place. Like, like I said yesterday when I gave my speech, our society is one built on supply based on demand. And if there weren't millions of people demanding abortions, the clinics would dry up. So we can want abortion to be legal all day. But if people aren't properly discipled and to value human life, to value life according to the word of God, they're going to find other ways to get an abortion. People have, abortion is nothing new. I, I, for some reason, I like to read a little sordid history. This stuff has been going on for a long time. People have found ways to kill unborn children. And the reality is that if you just push it underground, you're still going to have it. It's not going to be as prevalent, though, because people are going to have a hard time doing to get it. Because the, the easier you make something, the more you get it. So that's why, like, for example, I read a statistic, I heard a statistic. And I want to say it's over 70% of women who see an ultrasound of their own unborn baby, they choose not to get an abortion. So we do want to put those measures in place to discourage it. But ultimately, the number one discouragement of abortion will not come through legislation. It comes through discipleship. It comes from hearts being so, so out for God that I could never imagine killing my unborn child. And also, one of the main reasons why abortion happens, most abortions, I think like 85%, I saw a statistic of abortion are done on unmarried women. So if people weren't fornicating at the level that they are, you wouldn't even have a lot of this in the first place. And most of the people getting abortion are women in their 20s. So it, 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 it's, it's unmarried women in their 20s. This is mostly getting abortions. We know that. But if these women weren't fornicating, and men, let's, even though we focus on women because women are the ones getting the abortion, but men are the ones, in many cases, paying for them and encouraging them. And a lot of men say, I don't care. I sleep wherever I want. I just give her the money for an abortion and keep moving. You know, so they're equally complicit. But of course, we address the women because ultimately she's the one that has to walk into the clinic. But if, if these people, men and women, both were discipled in the knowledge of God, they wouldn't fornicate in the first place. And if for some reason they did, they wouldn't kill their baby. And those 15% or 20% of married women, 15 to 20% of married women getting abortions wouldn't get them either if they were discipled in the knowledge of God. 
And that's just the reality of it all. But like I said before, we cannot look to government to do things. And that even like, and, and we're kind of on some level, we're a little bit guilty of what a lot of the, the Christians on, and when I say I'm talking about true Christians who vote for liberal politicians because they're concerned of the issues of poverty and, and disparages we see within demographics. Again, that is not the job of the government to confiscate resources from other people and redistribute them to other people because the government always is going to take a larger cut than what they actually give the person in need. The real objective is for you to walk alongside and disciple people to help them improve their lives. It is job of, it's the job of the church to care for the needy. It is not the job of the government. Nowhere in scripture does it say the government should come and confiscate my goods, my resources to go give them to other people. What scripture are you standing on for that? Piece of hair keeps getting in my nose. You know, why, why, I don't know why I shared that, but if you're watching the video, you'll see me keep trying to move it out the way. But nevertheless, why is this, what, is, this makes no sense. This makes no sense. It's not the job of the government to fix a lot of these problems. It is the job of the church. The government has one job, and that's protect our rights from being violated by other people. That's it. Just stop people from violating other people. It is not the job of government to fix our lives. It is up to us as individuals to do that. So, you know, today it was just kind of a cursory talking about a couple topics and just really reflecting because it has been a little bit emotionally draining. But I have my peace. I've had my peace throughout all this foolishness because you don't put your peace in politics and what's going to happen with elections. If you put your peace in two and four year election cycles, baby, you just going to have an ulcer before you know it. There's always something's going to happen in elections and politics because you're dealing with sinful people. But the first step to improving our society is not by electing the right people. It's first by through discipleship. And the second step is by electing godly constitutionalists, which we'll talk about another episode. And so thank you again. Um, it's been so good to do an episode. I have lots more to say, lots more to talk about. And we'll talk about another time. So you can check me out on all major podcast platforms. You can check out my website, ChristinaCaramo.com. You can check me out on YouTube and Facebook at the Christina Caramo Project. You can also check me out on Instagram at Caramo the Great. That's Caramo the G-R and the number eight. And remember, remember, remember to be brave and bold because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles!